One, two, ah, okay, that's good. Uh, good afternoon, Elise. It is afternoon, eh? <laughs> good afternoon. You guys good? Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, we, what's this? This is the last Sunday of October. We are really heading for December very quickly. And uh, we finish off this year. I feel like this year has been on the fast lane and has been loaded, um, you know, with all sorts of things that God has been doing with us and through us. Um, so I look forward to standing in December and looking back into the, you know, months of 2022 and to celebrate God and celebrate what God has done. Uh, are you looking forward to December? Yeah? Just to, you know, stand back and look back in the pathway of 2022 and really just celebrate what God has done. And, and uh, the conversation we're having inside of the eldership team is that we want to finish this year consolidated, refreshed, and stared for 2023. Stared. Uh, staring. That's a biblical word. God stares people. The Spirit of God stares us. Um, he stares us into certain actions or certain things or certain uh, whatever, agenda. Uh, you know, when I feel those starings of the Lord inside of our own hearts and, and see... Uh, what 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 is he doing within us and so i hope that we all finish that strong consolidated uh, refreshed refreshed because of what god has done this year um, and stead because you have you have anticipation for 2023 yeah you anticipate what god is going what god is going to do and so that stares you it, it it makes your spirit excited you know it makes your spirit wants to wants to jump into some form of action because, you know, you, you, you've seen what God has done and you're looking forward to what God is going to be doing. And yes, we do have a couple of events leading to the end of the year and those are exciting. Uh, so you should be excited like Nsiga is right now, you know, by the things of God. Um, absolutely, absolutely beautiful. So we've been talking about growing the mission of God, and it's great that the audios have been sent out. Um, you can listen to those, um, you know, and, and really just encourage yourself in the Lord. And inside of grow, talking about growing in the mission of God, we have spoken about the issue of predestination. And I felt like, you know, there was anointing, uh, the Spirit of God was circulating around the subject of predestination. And so I wanted to take time to talk to you about this. Are you... Are you good to talk about predestination? Yes. Let's all say predestination. predestination. It's, a big, it's a big subject in the word of God. Predestination. It's a, almost like a, uh, an existential subject. It, it's a subject that speaks into your very existence. Into your, into your existence, into who you are. It's quite a, 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 a thing just in terms of biblical discourse. The subject of predestination is absolutely paramount. It is very, very important. So I want to talk to us about that this, uh, this afternoon. And so we're going to walk through this together. We're going to look into some scriptures. Um, and we're going to lay. And, and I want to say up front that um, this topic is important for a variety of reasons. Some of which I'm going to outline just now. But I want to, especially to, uh, to you parents, uh, just to make sure that 
especially for youths and you know sons and daughters that they can listen to this uh, conversation uh, this teaching again and and you could have a so that you can have a conversation with them about the issue of predestination because this really speaks into our existence speaks into 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 our being what we hear why we hear and all of those things the, the, the topic of predestination so why predestination i want to straight away give us reasons why we need to look into this um, topic of predestination. We have to look into predestination because it's a key topic in the Bible. It's one of the key doctrinal or theological topics in the Word of God. And so if you are a student of the Word of God and are growing in the things of God, predestination is just one of those things that you and I need to understand. Absolutely, absolutely important. Uh, there are some key foundational themes in the Word of God uh, that a scholar, a disciple of Jesus, needs to be able to, to understand stuff like atonement, salvation, all these things. Predestination is one of those. So, first and foremost, we need to talk about predestination because um, over and above the fact in the last two Sundays, we felt the anointing of God. You know, sometimes um, you feel these things. When we're teaching, you feel... Uh, Feels like there's an anointing of God resting upon this. You know, it's like, we, you know, kids and I were talking about the, 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 the song list for today. And like, you know, that song, Holy and Anointed, feels like Holy and Anointed is anointed. And Alpha and Omega, did you feel that? It's like, you have to, the anointing of God can rest upon a song, can do a song for a month. Um, uh, the anointing of God can rest upon a conversation, a topic. And you can gather and meet. Uh, you know, and, and talk each time we talk about it, like shuck, something stares within you. Um, and you take it into prayer and something stares within you. And, and so the, the anointing of God, has been, I felt, as we've been speaking about, you know, growing in the mission of God, predestination was quite key inside of that. So, the, so there is that prophetic thing in the last two Sundays. But really, if we were to give a, a frame of why we have to talk about predestination, it's first and foremost because it's a key topic in the word of God. Secondly, it's because converts and those who are growing in the Lord, you know, need to understand this topic to clarify their identity in Christ. And that's where I think for parents, uh, I want to encourage you to um, encourage your sons and daughters to listen to this audio. Um, you know, it is being recorded. Uh, to listen to this audio and to have a conversation with them. To talk about predestination issues. To process that. So, uh, for, for converts growing in the things of God, this topic helps to clarify identity. That's the second reason why we have to talk about predestination. Thirdly, we have to talk about predestination because it does impact our personal faith, our personal devotion, or our personal spirituality. Predestination is one of those, to one of those topics that allow us to understand God and the God process in our lives. And when we understand the God process in our lives, the more we understand the God process in our lives, is the more we are empowered to face issues and to be stared in our faith and to see God jump into our lives and do a bunch of stuff. That's the third reason. Predestination speaks directly into my personal faith, into my personal devotion, and into my personal spirituality because it allows me to understand the God process in my life. Let's say the God process. 
It's like Job had the God process. And he was trying to make sense of the God process with his friends. Um, you know, it was a journey. That's why you and I have a book, the book of Job, you know. So that's the third reason. You know, predestination fuels our personal faith. It fuels our personal devotion. It fuels our personal spirituality in understanding the God process in our lives. Fourthly, predestination is important for us, even for the grown-up believers, grown-up in the Lord, or growing believers, or maturing believers, or mature believers, as we step into deeper realms of the purpose of God. You can't really step into deeper realms of God's purpose without understanding the topic of predestination. So as we talk about these things, the like kingdom humanity and, and all of these things, I look at my journey, I look at my vocational journey, you know, uh, you know I, I see the hand of God. I see the hand of God. I see the hand of predestination, you know, nudging and directing me towards a particular pathway. Um, I see the hand of God in, in my varsity days, you know. Um, I see the hand of God inside of my days in the corporate space and, and, and now, you know, inside of the church space, leading church. I see the hand of God in all of those issues. So believers, as believers walk, as we walk deeper into the realms of purpose, we need to understand and clarify predestination. That's the fourth reason. The fifth reason is that predestination allows us to confront challenging seasons. How many of us know that there are challenging seasons in the journey of faith? In the journey of life, for, for that matter. There are challenging seasons for everybody, whether you are a believer or not. Whether you are a Christian or not, it really doesn't matter. Life will have challenging seasons for you. And when those challenging seasons come, it is impossible to confront them and to face them without the, the clarified understanding of this topic of predestination. I think number six, I added there, we are a post-pandemic generation. We have seen COVID in the last two and a half years to three years. You know, you know the world was shut down since, you know, in our context in South Africa since March 2020. Uh, it's something that's never happened in, in you know, in, in, more, in this modern generation began to happen. All peoples across the nations of the earth going through the same thing at the same time. You know, stuff happened. It was a challenging situation on many levels. And I think that if you are alive post-pandemic, you need to be thinking very seriously about purpose. Because then there is a reason why you are alive. It means God still wants you here. It means God is not done with you. It means something that isn't... So this, is, this post-pandemic season is not a season to fool around. Yeah? It's not, it's not a season to be frivolous and to fool around and to just go around doing silly things. It's a season to think very deeply about purpose and issues of purpose. Of why am I here? Why did I survive? Why am I here? You know, it means there's something that you, Lord, want to achieve through my life. And I need to figure out what that thing is. So I don't have time to go around fooling around and being silly. The time that I have, and, you know, you know God gives us days. How many of us know that? <laughs> and, and the time that we have, the days that we have, we have to use them for the purpose of God. And so these are the reasons why 
you and I need to engage in the topic of predestination. Exposed is a topical thing in the, in the Bible. It's because as a growing uh, believer, as a convert, you need to understand predestination to understand your identity in Christ. It's because predestination fuels your personal faith, your personal devotion, your personal spirituality. It's because predestination is important and critical as you step into deeper realms of purpose. It's because predestination empowers us to confront challenging seasons of life because those will come. So the Bible says this. The Bible assumes and presupposes that you and I will go through some challenge at some point. It says when the day of evil comes, <laughs> not if, when that day comes, you must stand and when you have done it all, remain standing. God does not want to see you and I on the floor. Remain what? Standing. So we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, it says. And that word wrestling there is the word, if you like military movies like me, it's the word that means hand-to-hand -hand combat. You know, you don't see a lot of that in modern, modern warfare. There's drones and all sorts of kinds of stuff. Back in those days, you had spears and swords. You needed to come up close with the man. And so that word to wrestle is that time when you've watched those medieval warfare movies. Is that, the, you know, the one army will fight another army and then these two warriors begin to pick on each other. And you needed to pick your guy. Because you didn't want to die early in the war. <laughs> and back in those days, size and, you know, all of those things mattered. And if you picked the wrong guy and the guy was pretty skillful in his sword, you were in trouble. And so what would happen in those days? They called it honor. I don't know why some of these things were called honor. <laughs> What's honorable about that? Some of these things maybe need to run away. Maybe the more honorable thing to do was to run away. It's like what was honorable about that? And so what would happen when the two warriors pick on each other is that the armies actually make space. And I'm asking, why is the other guys, why are my guys not stepping the guy behind? There are things I still don't understand about <laughs> medieval warfare. It's like they would make space and the two warriors would go at each other. That's what that word, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principality. You know what that means in the context of the Christian life? It means although we journey with you and we support you, we actually can't fight your battles. And if we can't fight your battles, we can support you, we can pray for you, we can stand with you. But actually, when a situation comes at your doorsteps, it comes at your doorsteps. Nobody will be able to face that situation for you. That's what that word means. And so, I mean, Paul is, is, is being inspired by, probably he's looking at the Roman soldiers and the Roman armies, uses military language. He talks about the flaming arrows of the evil one. And he says, you know, use the, your, your shield of faith, he says. And if you know what I'm talking about, we've watched, Puku, have you watched these movies I'm talking about? And they would shoot at each other with these flaming arrows. And, you know, he had armies like Sparta. You know, they knew how to create a dome. You don't know what I'm talking about right now, like, what is that? You need the, in the Spirit of God to reveal these things to you. They'll create this dome, you know, every man carrying his shield, and those shields were pretty heavy. You needed to have strength. 
And it was in that collective effort that they would be able to protect one another against the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so Paul is looking at, probably looking at this Roman soldier walking and the Spirit of God, you know, jumps in and illuminates him. And it's quite an amazing, amazing thing. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So you and I need to face our battles. We are supported by the saints and we do need to be supported. And we are supported by the Spirit of God, but we've got to face those battles. And that's why you and I need to grow, yeah? Because, man, when the battles come, they really test. The one thing they do test is my growth, my maturity in Christ Jesus. So personal faith, personal devotion, personal spirituality. As we walk uh, deeper into realms of purpose and then confronting challenging seasons, the, the, the wrestling with the enemy. In other words, there are times when all these demonic spirits are all flying around and they will sometimes peek on Sanganani. Yeah? Peek on Keegan. And we're all like, we need to make space, but we need to be praying. Yeah? Supporting, speaking words of encouragement. But actually, we can't fight it for you. You, you have to do the wrestling. We, we support, we pray, we speak words of encouragement. We say, God is with you. God is going to show up. God, God is here. There is purpose. And we speak words of exhortation, but we can't, uh, you know, step in on, on your behalf. And that's how, so predestination helps us as we face challenging seasons, but I think predestination is also equally important inside of this post-pandemic life, you know, I think it's important. So the word predestination, biblical word, biblically, so I want to take us back to the biblical meaning and not just to the English. So we know this word predestination in the, in the New Testament is taken from the Greek word proorizo or proorizo, P-R-O-O-R-I-Z-O, proorizo. That word proorizo is made up of two words. The first word is pro, meaning before, in front of, in advance, or prior to something. Before, in front of, in advance, or prior to. And then the second word is the word horizo, which is a word to determine, to mark out a boundary. It means a limit. It means a boundary line. This is the same word from which we get the English word horizon. You know, we talk about horizon. Maybe we want to feel motivational. Horizons. So pro orizo, pro plus horizo, that's the word predestination in the Bible. The word predestination basically means to determine beforehand, to set destiny in advance. And there is this thing inside of the definition where we are talking about God setting limits and boundary lines around us in advance. Quite an important subject this. So the word pro means before, in, in front of, in advance, or prior to, means that before your existence, there are things that God did to, to work out the plan of your life. He did that before you were conceived in your mommy's womb. He, he began to craft your life long before you could live in 2022. Long before you could walk through a bad day, God crafted your life. He worked out the plan. He's already set your destiny. Those things are not going to be determined by, you know, 
how far you have studied or academically, how far you've progressed. It really is the predestination of God working inside of your own life. So God has gone ahead of you and I and has worked some stuff. And what has he worked? He's drawn boundary lines. And as we walk with the Holy Spirit, we need to be feeling these boundary lines along the way. And you and I are safer dancing within the boundary lines. Look at your neighbor and say, dance within the boundary lines. We've got to dance within the boundary lines. You don't want to cross the line. We, we want to do life within the boundary line that God has set for us. That boundary line is not determined by your, your simply your gift or your capacity or, 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 or you know, your, 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 simply your passions or what you want to do. It's, it's, it's God who determines it beforehand. There are boundary lines. God fixed you, he fixes you within an orbit of some kind. And you've got, you and I need to dance within that orbit. We need to do life within that orbit. And that's very, very important. So basically, when I talk about predestination, when I talk about God limiting my life in advance, determining the boundary lines within which I can dance or do life. He marks these boundary, boundaries in advance. I have boundaries around me. And I need to be always aware. They shape and influence the kind of decisions I'm going to take, my choices in life, all of these things, my, the direction of my life, what I do, what I cannot do, is determined by these boundary lines. They've been determined by the Lord beforehand. He's constituted me. He's, const, he's, he's crafted me. He's configured Robert. He configures Leroy. He configures too. That's what God does. To predetermine the scope, the direction, and the capacity of our lives. Now, we live in a world that keeps pushing you and I, right? You know, uh, uh, keeps pushing you and I. And we keep, you know, and sometimes we can basically over, you know, put ourselves in overdrive and, and we can run out along the way. But we've got to be all the time discerning the boundary lines of God inside of life. That's absolutely, absolutely important. There are basic assumptions inside of the predestination conversation then. Based on the definitions of predestination, there are some basic, basic assumptions. Assumption number one is that we are not creating, if we're living within the territory of predestination, then we're not creating our own life. We're not creating our own life but we are conforming to what we have discovered in God. We are not creating our own lives. We are simply conforming to something that has been created before we were even born. And are discovering that and conforming to it. That's the assumption number one instead of the predestination conversation. Is that I don't create my own life. I don't get to say what happens to me. Is that God has already determined those things what I need to do is to discover what that looks like and conform to it. I don't get to dictate what happens in me. I have to discover things. I have to discover friends. I have to discover a spouse. I have to discover church. I have to discover the, the, the place, the city where God has, has established me. 
purpose. All of those things link to purpose. You cannot be in a wrong place physically and hope to achieve the purpose of God. You can't be with the wrong people and hope to achieve the purpose of God. So we are not creating our own life. We are conforming to what has been created for us. And we find pleasure in that. That's not a problem for us. For a believer, that's not a problem. So, and the reason why I want also the parents to have a conversation with your sons and daughters is because of these things are important in the choices of vocations, careers, and academic you know, uh, uh, pathways and all of these things. Very, very important. We're not creating our own life. Important in choice of friends, social circles. We're not creating our own life. We're conforming to a life that has been created for us. Our job is to discover that life and to, to conform to it. The, base, the second basic assumption about predestination is that we must continuously live life with a posture of inquiry. What's the key word there? Inquiry. Let's say the word inquiry. Inquiry. We, we live in an age of action. But how much of that action is fueled by inquiry? And inquiry is a process. It's a process. It's a process. It involves prayer. It involves conversations. It involves a whole bunch of things. You know, we often talk with Mafa just about his journey, stepping out of you know his former uh, you know job uh, and changing a path vocationally. The number of conversations that were involved. It was a time of inquiry. And in, in the process of inquiring, you get to a point where you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you're working out the detail of how it needs to be executed. What's the what and the why and the when and the how are all, are all important uh, questions in, in the purpose of God. The what, the why. The how, the when. We must continuously live with a post-job inquiry. It's like David asking the question, shall I go up, God? You know, he's always asking these questions. Shall I go up? What must I do? We must continue. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father do. So we're really interested in that which God is doing inside of our own lives. That's the basic assumption number two. Basic assumption number three is that Predestination requires an active process. If we teach this topic, this subject wrongly, we can get a wrong impression that, oh, predestination, that means I must just fold my arms and wait for God. In other words, I must be passive. No, no, no. Predestination is not a passive process. We are not passively waiting for life to happen, but are actively seeking and obeying God. But to live in a state of inquiry that in itself, by definition, is an active process. It's an active process. It's like, I think we've spoken about this problem in the context of you know, uh, couples, married couples, uh, about the word submission. How many of us know that the word submission, in the proper definition of the word, uh, the word submission, the, the one way I always describe it or define it, is for those of us who are drivers, who drive cars, uh, you have highways and then you have cars on ramping onto the highway. And the rule is this. The rule is that 
When you're on ramping on the highway, what, what must you do? You must yield for the cars that are in the highway already, right? Let them pass, in other words, and then on ramp. So, so, so in other words, yielding is not to say you can't get into the highway. It's the order within which you get into the highway. Which means the word submission is an active process. It's, a, it's an administrative state inside of your own heart. And it's, it's, the word submission is important, by the way, not just for those who are married. It's important as we submit to leadership, to different structures, authorities at, at, in the workplace. So predestination requires an active process. We're not passively waiting for life to happen, but we are seeking, actively seeking and obeying God. That's basic assumption number three. Basic assumption number four is that we are not following things that feel good or that make sense in our minds, in our emotions, things that make sense socially, within our social circles or culturally, but we are yielding to the conviction and to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And note that I mentioned two things there, conviction and counsel. So sometimes we can talk about I'm convicted in something, but have I received counsel in that conviction? So it has to be conviction and counsel working together. Plans fail for lack of counsel. Does not say plan fail, plans fail for lack of conviction. Plans fail for lack of counsel. So we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit as we need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Simply means we are not just following things that make us feel good. Predestination is all about what makes you feel good. It's about what, what makes God feel good about you. What makes God feel good about me is the predestination conversation. And so the, the, the challenge of the times with believers is that we are you know, confined within the, within the context of what, what, makes, what makes me feel good. And, and it's very difficult to give, provide pastoral counsel to somebody who is preoccupied with what makes them feel good. But once we change the framework and say, what makes God feel good about me? That's a different conversation. That's a conversation that is after the will of God. I want the will. In other words, I want the will of God for my life. I want the will of God for my life. So these are the four basic assumptions of predestination. And inside of this territory of predestination, what we are saying is that your life has been predefined and predetermined. Your capacity and passion have been pre-configured by God. Your job and my job is to discover, to become, and to obey, right? We need to discover, not create for ourselves, but to discover what God has done. Sometimes God, as we discover, the mechanisms of discovering will involve the Spirit of God talking to you, will involve the Spirit of God talking to you through the Word, like I'm preaching right now, or will involve the Spirit of God leading you through circumstances. But at the end of the day, we've got to discover what God has for us, become what, the thing that we discover and obey it. Become it, obey it, perform it. Obedience is both in the sense of formation and action. Yeah. When I say I obey, I'm obeying God, I'm, I obey God by being what, who God wants me to be, but I also obey God by doing what God wants me to do. So the, in, biblically, the word of obedience 
is the word that speaks into formation and action all at the same time. Inside of predestination, you want to be where you need you meant to be with the people you're meant to be with, doing what you're meant to be doing. Especially, again, I say, in this post-pandemic life, you want to be where you're meant to be with the people you're meant to be with, doing what you're meant to be doing. I remember that uh, inside of that predestination process, there's also the voice of the snake that wants to give you and I false feelings. Yeah? Like Adam and Eve saw, they realized we can pick up false passions along the way if we're not careful. That's why the question we have to be asking all the time is not what makes me feel good, but what makes God feel good about me. It's a different conversation. Because it's easy to be deceived by the snake along the way and to pick up all manner of passions that are essentially false. You're where you're meant to be with people you're meant to be with. You know, you can have false labor. You know, women will understand this pregnancy. I, ne I never understand pregnancy issues in my vagina. It's very difficult to understand pregnancy issues, man. But, but you can have false labor. You feel, you feel like you're giving birth. And then you go to the doctor, and what Sarah must do is the doctor must help you to shh. Because actually, it's not your time. It's actually not yet time. You are having a false labor for some reason. You know? And so there's all these things. We can have false labors along the way. <laughs> How strange is life? How complicated is life? So be where you're meant to be with the people you're meant to be with, doing what you're meant to be doing. I think that's important. Love what God loves for you. I think that's important. These are all concepts of predestination for us, uh, LSA. Absolutely important. Let's read some scriptures. So I want to introduce to you another phrase. Yeah? The phrase is before time began. Let's say that together. Before time began. That phrase links to the subject of predestination. Before time began or before the creation of the world, if you like. So... Let me take you through the reality of Jesus as our Savior. What happened to Jesus or what the scriptures say about Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, if we discuss before time began here, I want us to begin to think about predestination and our salvation. And how predestination is very much embedded in our salvation process. Especially as we consider the phrase before time began, which is a critical a doctrinal phrase in its own right and very much linked to the subject of predestination. First Peter chapter 1 verse 20. He, that is Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world or if you like before the beginning of time but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. That scripture confronts you and I to begin to think about our challenges. You and I to begin to think about what is it that I was chosen for before time began? 
before I went to varsity, before I went to a particular high school, before I was born, before I had a name and a surname, before I grew up in a particular township, what is it that was chosen before, uh, for me before the beginning of time? That's the predestination conversation. And this scripture obviously speaks about Jesus. And we also have Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 speaking about Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. So by the time we see Romans, you know, crucifying Jesus, those decisions were actually taken by God before the Roman Empire even existed. Before somebody came up with the idea of the crucifixion through the cross. It was already decided that Jesus will be this lamb slain for, for the world. This was decided before the creation of the world. So we look at predestination and salvation, how predestination is incorporated, embedded in the subject of salvation. And, and the phrase before time began helps us to understand this. Here's another scripture talking about Jesus and church. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Ephesians Chapter number one and verse one, these are good scriptures to write down and go home and, and think about these things. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You and I were predestined to walk in holiness and righteousness. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us us being the church there in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So your, your morality, your, your moral capacity, your ability to walk in God's righteousness was decided upon long before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Long before you deal with the uncle issues and the aunt issues. And, you, know. you know, sometimes we can live life and be 40, 50 blaming somebody. Yeah, have you seen 40-year-old people blaming their uncle for how I became? I look at you 40 now. You surely have the power and the capacity to determine how you're going to be. It no longer depends on your uncle. Your uncle, by the if you're 40, your uncle is 60. You know? As you hit 25, you can't keep on blaming people for how your life is turning out. Or blame your culture, or blame whatever, you know, generational things or things running. You are saved in Christ by the power and the saving grace of Jesus. So even before he made the world, he predestined you and I. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4. There is yet another scripture about, as we talk about the, the phrase, before time began, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, very, very beautiful scriptures here that I'm taking you through. And I'm reading this from the NLT, from the New Living Translation. This is my wife's translation. From time to time, I pull the NLT, you know. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, For God saved us and called us, to live a holy life, again, predestined to holiness. He did this not because we deserved it, but because 
That was his plan from before the beginning of time. How beautiful is that? From before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And in verse, it's in verse 10. And now, let's say now. Now would mean in 2022, in October 2022, with whatever conditions you're coming out of from you know, this, this, you know, this Sunday. And conditions you're going back to this Sunday. So now is, it plugs it into time. But really things are determined before the beginning of time. In verse 10, and now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and he illuminated the way to life. I like the, the way the NLT puts that. He illuminated the way to life. And how many of us want illumination to, 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 to the way to life, yeah? To not be confused, in other words, about the choices that will add the Zoe of God, the life of God into you and I. Because decisions either bring death or life. You know this? Yeah? Deuteronomy, I lay before you life and death. Choose what? Life. It means every decision that you and I take, every decision that you and I make will either bring life or death. I'm not talking about literal death, but I'm talking some form of death. It can be social death, it can be spiritual death, it can be all sorts of death that we can experience because of bad decisions. And now he has made all of, of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and he illuminated the way to life and to immortality through the good news or through the gospel. Beautiful scripture. God saved us and called us to, to live a holy life. He did this not because it, we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. Before there was 2022 and issues of 2022 that you and I have had to wrestle through. There was God deciding, I will add Courtney into my plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. Deciding that. And then there is now that it's like there is a manifestation of whatever plan God had in time. But once you, take time, once you say time, you mean conditions, situations, circumstances. And we all have some situations, some conditions, some circumstances we're coming out of to be in this meeting. Yeah? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Now, that scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 tells us something. It tells us that there is a divine sequence in life. There is a divine sequence in the things of God. There is a divine sequence. So in that scripture, we saw that it says that for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made it all plain and clear to us. I live in the now. I'm a human being. I live in 2022 in the midst of circumstances and conditions. There is a sequence to this. And the sequence in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 is that the now, the now component in that scripture the now is situations. The now is conditions. The now is circumstances. The now is time. 
the now must always be preceded by the reality called before the beginning of time. In the you know, in that phrase, before the beginning of time, we're confronting God's intents for my life. In the now, we're looking at God's intents playing out in the midst of all sorts of conditions. Favorable and unfavorable. Good and bad conditions. So there's a sequence here. The believer must hold in proper balance and with the help of the Holy Spirit. The uncorrupted original intent and plans of God established by God before the beginning of time. So there is the original uncorrupted plan of God for you and I and for us as a collective that was established by God long before there was 2022 and conditions in 2022. We've got to establish that as the prime the, 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 uh, as, as, as the foundational you know, component of our lives. But hold that together with this other reality. The execution of that original plan of, of, of God being executed in time amidst corrupted, oppositional, and limiting human conditions. So on the one hand, you have God's plan, original plan, that was established before time began, before 2022 would happen. Because how many of us know that time space is carry memory. So when I say 2022, you have a bunch of stuff that you think about. You know, by the end of the year, people who can say, can see on Facebook, we say goodbye 2022. <laughs> when people say goodbye 2022, they don't mean time, space. They mean conditions that played out during the year 2022. But if we don't have a reconciled perspective of the year, we can frown upon the air, right? If we don't understand in, in the God's predestination that God works together for the good, he profits even in times of loss, we can frown upon the air. And so there is the original intent of, and plan of God established before the beginning of time. And then there's us, us executing that plan of God in time, in 2022, amidst corrupted, oppositional, and limiting conditions of life. So in doing life, as we do life, LSA, we must always firstly consider the original intent of God as outlined through the Holy Spirit directives and through biblical counsel. I want us to be the kind of believers, by the way, that you know, don't just run with the Holy Spirit said, but also biblical counsel says. Yeah? Holding the two testimonies agree to, you know, agree with each other. Biblical counsel and the Holy Spirit directive, those things, the Holy Spirit conviction working alongside biblical counsel are very, very important issues. So we have to hold in proper balance the original intent and plan of God established before time and our execution of that plan in time. In the midst of corrupt, corrupted, oppositional, and limiting human conditions. That's the sequence that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. There is the now, but the now is preceded by the beginning of time. What does it tell you? It means that each time as we face situations of life, what is the first thing that you must preoccupy yourself with? Not the now. 
by the intent of God before time began. Yeah? That's the sequence. Your first question is not what's happening in 2022 or what's happened on this Sunday. Your first question is, God, what was your intent for my life before time began? If you can clarify that, that empowers you to face the now. And the reason why we stumble sometimes and, and you know, find that life is difficult is because we are too preoccupied with the now at the expense of neglecting and, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, the, 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 the before the beginning of time component of God's plan for our lives. And we don't want to do, we want to understand the, 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 the sequence there. And there are two questions that I want us to be thinking about then, based on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. What are the established before beginning of time intents of God for my life or for our lives? That's the first question we always have to be thinking about. What are the established before the beginning of time intents of God for my life or for our life collectively? And then the second question is, what are the limiting and oppositional conditions working against the execution of the plan of God in time? But the first question is, what are the established before the beginning of time intents of God for my life and for our lives as a collective? That's the first question all the time. We are thinking about before time began. And the Spirit of God is there to help illuminate us about before time began issues. Because it's not possible for you and I, with all our intelligence, to figure that out. We can't figure that out. You can't figure that out with your, just with your academic mind or with your IQ, with your intelligence. You need the Spirit of God to open the windows in the Spirit to show you and I before time began issues. And the more we are clarified about before time began issues is the better we can live in the now. The more empowered we are going to be in the now. So what are the established before the beginning of time intents of God for my life and for our lives? Firstly, secondly, what are the limiting and oppositional conditions working against me and working against us in the execution of that plan of God in time? And when I say what are the limiting and oppositional conditions, the first thing you think about is not people, it's your own heart. It's your own life. Think about the state of your heart, state of my heart, of my mind. Think about the levels of my maturity. Think about relationships. He who walks with the wise will become what? But bad company does what? Corrupts good character. That means that we have to exercise judgment in relationships. Basically, that's, a bi that's the Bible telling you and I there are good friends and bad friends. And what must we do to, to bad friends? You can't keep bad friends. But you have to keep good friends. You can pray for bad friends and preach to get bad friends, but you can't keep bad friends. The Bible tells you and I clearly that we are influenced by the people we live with. He who walks with the wise will become wise. 
But bad company corrupts the good. That means that's the Bible saying, telling you and I, you will be influenced by your social cycle. Nobody is that intelligent and that capable that, oh yeah, I can just keep bad friends and the kingdom of God is going to keep thriving. Try it. I hope you don't. Don't dare me. <laughs> like I dare you, pastor. Watch me keep, go to, you know, go to bad friends and look at the outcome of my life. It's going to be good. He who walks with the wise will become wise. Bad company corrupts good. It means I need to be careful about who I keep around me. It means my friends will influence me. It means there's such a thing biblically as peer pressure. And as we tell young people who want good peer pressure, what kind of peer pressure? Good. I mean, it's like friends will influence you. How many of us know that? How many of us haven't realized that actually shucks? Yeah, friends do influence you, you know? Friends will influence you. They are meant to influence you. And because of that principle, you've got to keep certain friends. Because you want to be influenced by good people. And hopefully you are a good influence to somebody. You know, you know, you know the, parent, the parent thing when stuff happens with our kids... Ah, uh, you have bad friends. We never think about maybe you're a bad friend to somebody. <laughs> Our old kids can be a bad friend to somebody. Like, shucks, I think you're a bad friend to somebody right now. But look at you. You're not good. We need to keep good friends, but be good friends to somebody also. You know. So this conversation doesn't end with who you're keeping, but, you know, who, how, how are you showing up in those that are keeping you. Are you a good friend? Are you a godly friend? Are you building the kind of friendships where there's godliness? Are you building friendships where there's evil and gossip and all kinds of sorts of bad stuff? And these are some of the things we have to consider in the now. The conditions that limit the execution of the plan of God. And we can think about environmental issues of times in which we live, resources and finances. But before we get to resources and finances, let's begin by clarifying our heart and mind. When we think about limiting and oppositional conditions, our heart and mind in the process. How is my heart towards God? Is my heart towards God healthy? These are the questions that you and I need to think about. Are these good scriptures? So the second Timothy chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, there's a sequence we have to begin with before time began issues, before we hit the now issues. And if we consider before time began issues first, we're going to be empowered to live in 2022 and to execute the purpose of God. Let me introduce you to some more predestination scriptures. And you can write these references down. It's good to read them. Uh, and so I want to do this very systematically. So that it's like almost like a study exercise. This. So the scriptures are three uh, uh, reference points. Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6. And then secondly, it's Ephesians 1 verse 11. Then it's Romans 8 verses 28 to 30. These are predestination scriptures. Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6. Ephesians 1 verse 11. And Ephesians, uh, sorry, Romans 8 verses 28 to 30. 
Let me read for us Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 6. For he chose us in him. We already read verse 4 earlier. Sorry, verse 6 earlier. Um, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That, that should be verse 4 there, I think. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Yeah, so that's verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I'm now reading that, you know, I'm reading that in the NIV. In love, in verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So we're confronting the reality of God predestined us to be adopted as sons. To be adopted as sons. I know that in, in a spiritual sense that has no gender implication. It, it's speaking to all of us. We are predestined to be adopted into sonship by God. Ephesians 1 verse 11. In him we're also chosen having been predestined, Paul says again, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Is a second reference I want to highlight for us. Ephesians 1 verse 11. And then I want to read for us Romans 8 verses 28 to 30. We've been reading the scripture. But uh, it's, a, it's a third reference uh, instead of these predestination scriptures we're reading uh, currently. In verse 28, Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that in all things, in how many things? All things. God works for the good. God profits in other words. He adds profit. He works out your balance, the balance sheet of your life and brings profit. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So three references. After confronting the issues of before time began, we're now reading some more scriptures of predestination. And these are Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6. Ephesians 1 verse 11. Romans 8 verses 28 to 30. Here is what basically is the idea that I want us to get out of these scriptures. That Paul is writing to the Ephesians and to the Romans. The first scripture was Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6. And there we read in verse 5, he predestined, predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And that makes us think of what? That makes us think of family. Right? Right? If I'm, if I'm predestined to be adopted as a son, it means I was predestined to be part of a family. So the first, if, if we want to talk about the areas or spheres of predestination as scripture teaches, the first sphere or area of predestination is one where we're confronting the fact that I'm predestined into family. Predestined into 
family. That means that the Christian walk has to be the one where I'm navigating relationship issues very carefully. I am predestined as a son, to be adopted as a son. The idea is that if you think about the principle of adoption in a, in a literal sense, he is a child without a father, without a mother, without a family, and uh, you know, parents come and adopt the child into their family. I used to be without family, now I have family. But once I've been adopted into family, I have to begin to think like a family person, which is oftentimes the next struggle in the Christian life. We think like orphans and street kids in the context of family. And that's a problem. To think like a family means I need to treasure relationship. I need to understand authority. I need to understand accountability. I need to grow in the midst of people. It means all of those things. So God predestines us to be adopted into family and we still walk around like street kids. The journey of a street kid is a journey of survival. It's a journey of what's going to be my next meal. What excites me is the next meal. The journey of family is a long-term journey. Think about I'm raising a son and a daughter here. I'm raising a future human here. So the journey of family is long-term driven. The journey of a street kid is a journey of what's going to be the next meal. I'm excited by the next meal. In the family, we sit down and clarify values. In the family, it matters when you get back home, what time you get back, back home. I live within boundaries of values and I have to yield myself to those because God has adopted me into family. As a sinner, I was a street kid. As a sinner, I was an orphan. I had no family. And I'm not God, God adopts, it, adopts me into family. And then the next struggle often time is I need to be rewired to think like a family person. Like from this meeting, I need to get back home in time. If I'm not going to get back home in time, I need to say to Zamo, I'm going to be late today. I can't rock up at 2 a.m. And, and claim that life is normal. There is accountability in family. Life flows a certain way in family. And so God adopts us into church to teach us a bunch of things. And we're all you know, kicking and dancing and kicking and calling it Holy Spirit. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is adopting us into family. Just come on, relax. Relax. You're, gonna, you're not going to show up at family dinner table. You've got to say that I'm not going to show up. I'm studying. I'm at work. Because there is a time to eat together. That's what makes family. And if I can't show up at, at a particular point in time, I, I, I've got to say. It's how family works. Which means inside of that sphere of predestination, the sign, what is the sign of a maturing believer? A believer that is able to operate and function within family. But we think in the Christian circles, we think that the believer that kicks 
that kicks everybody and bashes everybody around you is a believer that's growing. Actually, no. That believer is not growing. That believer is becoming more and more immature. The believer that's growing is a believer that knows how to navigate. That's learning family etiquette. That's learning how to flow within the context of the collective. Yeah? The first area of predestination that you and I have is predestined. We're predestined into family. The second area that we of predestination, Romans 8, 28, is he predestined us, he predestined us to be conformed to his son. So that this is the predestination of transformation. Predestined to be to, to a collective transformational journey in the image of Christ. Remember, like I said, you know, uh, last Sunday, the word conformed means to be transformed as a collective, to be transformed as a group. We're not here talking about individualized growth. That word conformed means a group growing together. A collective growing together. So you and I have been predestined to a collective transformational journey. So it means that as I grow, as Robert grows, what we need to be seeing is less of what God is doing in me is in the individualistic sense. But what God is doing in me in the context of a collective. In other words, I'm understanding my growth in context. Yeah? Which is what happens, by the way, to a son or a daughter in the family context. Is that, is that your growth process is being managed in a context of family. In the context of family. Predestined to a collective transformational journey in the image of Christ. That's the second area of predestination, Romans 8.28. The third area of predestination, Ephesians 1 verse 11. He predestined, predestined us according to a plan, according to a plan and a purpose. We are predestined to fulfill a plan and some mission in God. So there comes in the element of purpose. The element of purpose. So there are three areas or spheres of predestination that the scripture teaches us about. The first is, I'm predestined to family, Ephesians 1, 5. The second is, I'm predestined to a transformational journey with a collective, Romans 8, 28. The third is, I'm predestined to fulfill some plan and mission, Ephesians 1, 11. Ephesians 1, 11. Predestined to family. Predestined to a transformational journey. So that with each time you transform, each time you work out the conviction of the Spirit of God, you are fulfilling God's predestination plan inside of your own life. Each time you become like Christ, you are fulfilling God's predestination plan inside of your own life. So, in a sense, to summarize that, the areas of predestination or the spheres of predestination is Ephesians 1, 5, number 1, is a sphere of family, right? And need to learn to function. And I'm not, I'm talking about church as a family here, not, not, not just, and obviously that plays out in, the, in your biological family as well. But I'm talking about the church as a family. Church as a family. No matter who you are and where you come from, you need to come to church and be taught how to function in family. 
Yeah. Which means the, the, when we say this, this coming revival and all these things, we should be talking about the revival of family. Actually. And of people, believers, Christians, more and more able to establish families. Spiritual context of family and biological context of family. Here's what happens, LSA. You know. You and I, most of us got saved at age 18, 20, 25. And that's, that's the thing that we you know, sought to prevent for our children. That's not the plan of God, right? The plan of God is raise a child in the ways of God, and when he's old, he will not forget it. That's the plan of God. So our, our concept of, say, things like revival are very much distorted by our own abnormal process of salvation. So you get saved at age 25. You've probably been messed around by a whole bunch of things. You, you don't really, at age 25, you get saved at age 25. You don't have no understanding of family in the kingdom of God. That's why sometimes um, uh, believers who are on fire, having been saved at 25, when they get married, then you start, you start, okay. Family always becomes a challenge, right? To build a family. And so we, we reimagine that same kind of process for, oh yeah, no, and then people must fall into sin, then they must, they must re- receive a revival when they are 25 and come into, into the kingdom. No, actually, we, we need to move a step, you know, a step back. We really want people that are able to build families and able to raise kids as believers from a young age. That's the kingdom. We're not praying to God for a messed up youth that's going to be saved at 25. We're praying to God for fully functioning families that are going to be able to raise sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. That's the revival, the kind of revival we're looking for. So family, predestined to family, Ephesians 1, 5. Number two, are predestined to transformation. Romans 8, 28. Transformation is my predestination. I am predestined to be transformed in Christ Jesus together with a company of people. How amazing is that? And then we can talk about mission. Ephesians 1, 11. I'm predestined to fulfill a mission in God. There's a plan that he has for me. He's not just saving me to warm a seat or a bench. He has a plan. There's something that he wants to fulfill through my life. And I better find that out and execute it or become it. That's important. So these are three areas that we are finding in the word of God. uh, Around the, you know, that we can call spheres of predestination. Predestined to family. So in other words, if I'm moving more and more away from family, I'm really walking away from my predestination. Predestined to transformation. If I'm becoming more and more untransformed, I'm walking away from my predestination. And predestined to mission, kingdom mission. If I'm sitting and passive and not doing anything for God, I'm walking away from my predestination. So imagine this, this image. I want the LSA people. I want us, 
to be holding all these three components of family, of transformation, and of mission in proper balance, one basket. So if I ask you, what is the one thing that a typical believer will run with um, uh, is gonna be it's gonna be mission. Yeah? When you talk about predestination, people are gonna just think about mission. But actually, first and foremost, predestined to be adopted as a son. Secondly, predestined to be transformed together with a company of people. And then thirdly, we don't we don't deny this, predestined to a mission of God. Yeah. So we want the kind of believer that is holding these three areas in proper balance. Yeah? The kind of believer that is holding these in proper balance. Family, transform, transformation, and mission. Oftentimes, we're going to find these three work hand in hand, actually. So actually, if I just run with mission and forget family and transformation, along the way, it's going to show. Along the way, I'm going to begin to run into a, an area of spiritual deficit. In other words, I'm not going to be able to sustain my world. Because worlds are not just sustained by anointings, they are sustained by character. Family, transformation, and mission. How beautiful is that? Spheres of predestination that we embrace. That the word of God is teaching us about very, very clearly in the word of God. How many of us know that the race, your race has been marked out? Hmm? Does it sound like predestination? Mm -hmm. Your race has been marked out. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You don't mark your own race. The race is marked out. If you want to use a literal example, when you go and join a race on a run, maybe a 10 kilometer race, you know, you don't get to decide the, 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 the path <laughs> and the terrain. The race is marked out for you. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Let us throw off. Throw off. Look at your neighbor and say, throw off. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, the sin that so like a spider's web, you give sin a little opportunity, it entangles around you. And let us run with perseverance, the race. Our race literally means a contest in the athletic games like you're running the Comrades Marathon. The race has been marked out. It means that God decides the length, the terrain, the climatic conditions, all of these things are determined by God, not by you and I. Marked out for us means the race set beforehand, but presented to you and I for our view and consideration. That's what that phrase means, marked out for us. It is set beforehand by God, by his sovereignty, but he presents it to us for our view and consideration. So right now I'm looking at my race as I conclude 2022, a step into 2023, I'm considering my race. Yeah? And the beautiful thing is that in the midst of the race, God orders our steps. Yeah? 
he orders our steps in that race marked out for us. Psalm 37, verses 23 to 24, <clears throat> God orders our steps. <clears throat> okay, some water here. <clears throat> How beautiful is this? Since we are surrounded <clears throat> by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Throw off stuff that causes you to be heavy. Let us throw off everything that hinders <clears throat> and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run, not your own race. Look at the neighbor and say, not your own race. You know, it reminds me, um, I was driving around, in fact, I was jogging. And I saw these people, they clearly were part of the race. I didn't know about the race and stuff. And this guy asked me, did you see them? Where did they go? It's like, it's like, you don't know your race. You didn't do your homework. Where did they go? It's like, you're running the wrong race. <laughs> you need to know your route. Because now you can follow me. I'm just joking. I'm not part of any race. <laughs> but how many times do we do that? And God puts you on a race and you come across somebody who's just jogging. Did you see where they went? Or you follow a guy that's just jogging. But really you are on a race that has been marked out for you. So God decides the length, the, 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 the terrain. I know when, when we're jogging, you know, I try to do 5Ks three times a week. It doesn't always happen like that. But when you're jogging, there's this thing, you come across other people. And they can have like a, a hectic pace. Now, you need to remember your race. The duration of the race determines your pace, your fitness, Yeah. Because you're thinking about finishing. You're not now being excited. Oh, yeah, let me join this person. Maybe they, you're doing 5Ks. Maybe they're doing 2Ks. Maybe that's why they're speeding. Or maybe they're speeding because they're actually more fit than you. You've got to consider your own race. The race has been marked by the Lord for us. <clears throat> I'll skip um, some scriptures here. I want to conclude this now. So the race has been marked out for us. I'm just going to read a couple of, you know, more scriptures, just going to literally read these about different characters in the word of God who had to, to walk in predestination issues. Of course, we've got to begin with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? What does the scripture say? We read some scriptures earlier about Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus and predestination. In Acts chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of, of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I like the phrase, he was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. The predestination of God will hand you sometimes to challenging seasons. Yeah? Will hand you to challenging seasons. But it was important for Jesus to consider as he was walking through a challenging season of the crucifixion to know that 
he was being crucified as a way of fulfilling the plan of God. That's what helped him in the process. That's what empowered him to look away, to, to, to stop focusing on the Roman soldier and to think about the Father. He was handed over to you. Predestination will at times hand you and I over to challenging situations. So that's Jesus and predestination. Joseph and predestination in Genesis 50 verses 19 to 21. But Joseph said to them, this is when his brothers are trying to reconcile with Joseph because they had done some bad things to him. They sold him as a slave. <clears throat> but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. How amazing is that scripture? The amazing thing, one of the amazing things about this scripture is that we see God intending and evil men intending. Two kinds of intentions but one sovereign plan of God. Two kinds of intentions working together inside of a man's life, Joseph, but one sovereign plan of God. The evil man planned and intended, that word intend, intend you intended, means to think, to plan, to invest, to weave and to fabricate something. To fabricate, you fabricated a set of circumstances because you wanted to kill me, but God was fabricating was using those circumstances, fabricating his own plan. And in the midst of that predestination territory, Joseph says twice, do not fear. Look at your and say, do not fear. There, there can be no fear inside of a journey of predestination. We have to be completely free from fear. What brings fear is consent for the future. Yeah? How are things going to work out? We all have some situation that makes us think about how are things going to work out. But Joseph says, no, don't fear. But there's something else that Joseph says inside of that predestination conversation. He says, I will provide for you. So inside of predestination is God's providence. Right? Inside of predestination, there can be no fear. And inside of predestination, there has to be the acknowledgement of God's providence in my life. God will provide for me. And so therefore, we see, the other thing that we see inside of the scripture, that inside of predestination, there is a reconciliation with difficult life situations. Painful life situations. Yeah. How many of us have reconciled with pain in our lives? That's a big question, right? Have I reconciled with my pain with my challenging situations. In we can't talk predestination and not talk about reconciliation with life and the way life has played out. We can't talk about predestination and without talking about removing fear. We can't talk about predestination without talking about the providence of God. That's what we see inside of the scripture. How powerful is this predestination issue? Jeremiah and predestination. 
Jeremiah 1, verses 4 to 7. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a child. You must go. The word before, before natural processes take place, God knows, yeah? The, the, the foreknowledge of God is what we want to you know, walk in. God knows. I knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born. Before your birthday. So in other words, you know, we have to start to think about our lives prior to our birthdays. Our birthdays are important, right? On the day of your birth. But how many of us know that your life does not begin on the day of your birth? Begins in the mind of God for you. What he knew about you. We want to start to consider and to preoccupy ourselves with those kinds of things. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. Paul. Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. This is now Paul. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church for God and tried to destroy it. Tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But one God who set me apart from from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. How beautiful is that scripture? So Paul is outlining his life. Basically, if you wanted to put that in a graphical representation, Paul is saying, I was set apart from birth, yeah? But then I fell into a way of life that was actually evil, which is often what happens to us, right? Your, 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 what we call your BC days or before Christ days. So for Paul, it was persecuting the church. And then he says, I was called. There was activation. And God revealed there was vision. And I preached, which was mission. How beautiful is that? God's preference is that we remove the BC days. Yeah? Train a child in the way he should go. Fathers, raise your children in the instruction of the Lord. More and more want to remove what we call the BC days, the before Christ days. But Paul says, I had my BC days, and in, your BC, in those BC days, I used to persecute the church. I can ask if you were saved at age 18, 20, you have certainly things you did before Christ. Now, we want to remove that. And that's why we say the revival we are looking for is a revival of family, actually. Family in a biological sense, but family in a church spiritual sense. And if 
church is family, right? But if I happen to get married and raise a family, my children should not tell whether this is a biological or spiritual family. There has to be a seamless flow between church and my family. Yep. And that's Paul and predestination. That's predestination in a nutshell. Very, very powerful topic. And I want to encourage us to listen to this audio. And parents, listen to this audio. To, you know, uh, or, you know um, challenge your kids to listen to this audio and have a conversation with them because this topic is very, very important, actually. <clears throat> and that's why I want to take time just to go through it systematically and to cover and to condense or to skip some things uh, because of time. But we, we, covered, we, covered, we covered important things. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus.